0: Welcome to LameStream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall.
1: My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Scavendish. If you like this show, the one you are listening to right now, LameStream Sports, part of the 440 Sports Network, please. You like that? Yeah, you're welcome. Uh <laughs> no, I fucked it up. <laughs> You're good. You're good. I, I you did, can't, man, if you no, can't handle again.
0: the pressure. If you can't handle the pressure of a uh, of an intro and telling people to rate, review, subscribe to the show. No, we're we're leaving all this in Steve. <laughs> oh, <fuck. laughs> all right, uh,
1: rate, review, subscribe. Smash that subscribe button. Tell somebody you love them.
0: Yeah, and yes. also tell them to listen. Teresa Walker on the show today from the AP, the longest tenured Associated Press employee in the state. Uh, they are dealing with some stuff, all kinds of union negotiations. But really, we wanted to talk to her about AI, artificial intelligence, and what it is doing uh, with this new race and influx of massive amounts of investment dollars from VC groups into all these. It is the hot thing in Silicon Valley. They've got ChatGPT. They got a bunch of other ones. Every single company has one. And are they coming for the jobs of journalism and the jobs of journalists? And the AP has been using AI for a long time and might be the prime target of this first and foremost. So we wanted to get Teresa's opinions on this. So you'll hear uh, a long conversation with her about that. Uh, of course, we've also got a brand new poll. We are recording on Thursday. A poll is, has been conducted and is out uh, about the fairgrounds, uh, the racetrack deal with Bristol Motor Speedway, the mayor's office, and all the things that are going on down there. So we'll give you some results to some of that, some of those interesting poll results. Uh, we have a last week on the show, Steve, you were very disappointed that I had not seen Ted Lasso. So we'll have a debate about the series finale. No spoilers later on in the pod. Uh, and uh, otherwise, Lamestream Sports is brought to you by. Jaspers, always oh, brought to you by the fine folks at Jaspers. Yep. Only humans doing the cooking in the kitchen at Jaspers. Only humans. Only. <laughs> go, go to Jaspers, where humans make your food. Uh, all right. Here is our conversation <laughs> with the great Teresa Walker. The great and wonderful and amazing Teresa Walker joining us here on the show. Thank you for giving us some time this week. How are you, ma'am? Doing well,
2: which uh, being the fact that it's June, I've got vacationitis. Uh, you know, the older you get, you have some other issues you have to deal with. So the last week's been fun and challenging. Um, but uh, I yeah, think we were I'm supposed on to the do th- this
1: last week, and th- and then you decided to go in the hospital in order to duck out of not doing the podcast. So thanks. Appreciate well,
2: I, I tell you, what can I say? Uh, I I had just left the hospital with my own E.R. visit. They called and told my husband to get back in the hospital. Uh, <laughs> he ended up having some surgery. Uh, uh yeah, I, who, pernia repair, baby. Uh, he had two.
0: No, that's Teresa, I am sorry that Steve violated all the HIPAA laws there in like the first <laughs> sentence of the interview. I apologize. That is his fault, but I'm apologizing. <laughs>
2: Well, I appreciate it, but I re- I appreciate being rescheduled because yes, uh, when you've spent a night anyone who's spent a night or two in a hospital uh, trying to sleep in a chair next to somebody else it's impossible. You just yeah. cannot. It, it doesn't work.
1: Well, we're glad to have you here. We we wanted to talk about a bunch of different stuff because, uh, as as avid listeners know. You do everything uh, and go everywhere and see uh, and see all. As a matter of fact, you're probably covering. We're going to get you out of here in a little bit because you have like 10 things to cover today. We want to t- uh, talk about a bunch of different issues, uh, but I- I'm really fascinated by kind of AI and journalism. And the AP has has done some of this for a while. And it, it, talk about uh, let's talk about first kind of like what the AP already does that, that that we whether you call it machine learning or whether you call it kind of kind of like simple stories, uh, what what is it that people will, that people will read that wasn't written by a human right now?
2: I think, and I have to admit, I'm not completely sure, but I think it's some of uh, you know some lower level stuff uh, that might get just 150 words. Um, you know, there may have been an MLS story or two that, that was written by a robot. Uh, I remember a few, uh, last season, I noticed a game at Nashville SC had won. And as I was looking at it, that's not what the story said. So I had to call our desk and say, uh, this is wrong, wrong, wrong. Let's get it fixed. Um, so, and, and, and the craziest thing is you know, a gentleman who cuts my hair, he showed me the chat GPT thing. And he's, he, he literally pulled it out and said, write a story in, in the voice of Teresa Walker of the Associated Press and on, on, on a game. And as it started coming across, it's like, holy crap, that's a little close because, you know, for AP, <laughs> we have what we call the AP hero lead. Right. Uh, because, you know, for us on game stories, it's the, it's the hero lead. You know, Derrick Henry ran for 200 yards, three touchdowns as the Tennessee Titans destroyed the, well, I don't use destroyed because that's a, that's a flashier verb. So I usually, we stick to beat, defeated, down, thump, thrashed, routed on occasion. Always love uh, thumped.
1: I do love love thumped. thumped.
2: Yes. And, and, you know, and I do love it when, and I, and the fun thing is when I've used routed, you know, I've I started writing my two stories, you know, each version. And I go with routed and, and the funny thing these days is somebody will say, wait a minute, uh, the, it wasn't a route. And it's like, Oh dang it. Somebody scored a few points late, but it really was. But <laughs> you know, it does feel like the rope it's like, come on, did, 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 people, did we not pay attention to in 1984 to the movie Terminator? Uh, when, once the machines got unleashed, they just keep coming, and now it feels personal. It feels like they're trying to come after my job.
1: Well, and, and that's uh, that is something that has has popped up in a lot of discussions from from not just journalism but writers around uh, around the country. Um, the, the the Writers Guild uh, Association is on strike right now. Uh, in Hollywood. And one of the, one of the, the bones of contention between the studios and the writers is the, the future use of AI and, and to, in order to, to write scripts or to write pieces or whatever else. And the producers don't want to rule it out. And the Writers' Guild has said, no. I mean, that, like, that, that is like, that is kind of a, that is kind of a line in the sand. I, I'm really fascinated at like somebody showing you the chat GPT story. What do you think? Uh, what do you think in general of kind of AI right now, and kind of the the ability to the ability to do a sports story? It seems like it could do really something really simple, like baseball, where it has a lot of statistics that you can pull from. But you know, context and context and awareness are really important things.
2: Absolutely, Steve, and it's like I. I it... To my point of view, I don't think that, you know, unless they put eyes in that you know robot and set them in the press box, they can't replace the humans. Because whenever I talk to college students or young journalists, the one thing I tell them to do, use your eyes. You know, that was the biggest advice when, you know, one of my former AP, you know, global sports editors, Terry Taylor, use your eyes. You know, that's why you're sent to a venue is to look around and see. You know, see the signs, see the protest banners that get unfurled from the upper deck. Uh, if somebody runs on the field, you know, use what, you know, you're a human being. So use your senses. And, you know, computers, AI, they don't, uh, unless unless there's a model that, you know, that a new iOS version they haven't updated and released yet, that doesn't exist yet. Thank God. And hopefully they don't add that. But that's, that's what we have that they do not. And that's what we bring—is our human senses, and and it's like, Lord, uh, but I mean, yes, I mean, we 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 see. I mean, the journalism industry has been cut and chopped, and I mean, you know, we're finding new ways around it. I mean, you know, this podcast, guys, is is a new way of delivering information, and 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 you know, there's so many different ways that have sprouted up to get information to people. But the one thing that cannot, in my opinion, ever be replaced is, you know, these, these and this, because we're the ones asking questions. I mean, can you imagine one of those little robot dogs walking into a locker room and asking <laughs> Garrett Henry,
1: you know, I how are be- the
2: holes you know being open for you tonight?
1: You mean uh, like one of the ones that like the Toyota yeah. guys would roll out at like the at like the Vegas, uh, you know, the, with the Vegas premiere, yeah. and walks across the stage and sits up. That would I, be just, funny.
0: I just want a robot to ask Mike Vrabel about DeAndre Hopkins today. That's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> just well, he made it clear see.
2: he was tired of those questions yesterday. I know, I know. <laughs> So, yeah, we, we got about as many. on, on, on yeah, it, it, yeah, if anyone asks about Bray, uh, uh, DeAndre Hopkins before there was a deal, I think we're going to get the Zach Cunningham
0: treatment. Yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> and by the way, when she said this, this, and this, she was pointing to her eyes, ears, and her mouth. For those listening on the audio uh, portion of the podcast. <laughs> um, Thank you. Uh, what I think is interesting, for first of all, for those that don't know, the AP started experimenting with AI in 2014. So you guys are one of the first organizations to ever experiment with it. Uh, you've been on the show before and talked about the things that you're sort of limited to when it comes to your writing. But that is the thing. The thing that you are limited by at the AP is also the, the thing that is that creates the most value for a writer and for a reporter, because what you do is you see something happen and you create brand new content. Like when you put words together, that is an original sentence written by Teresa Walker, which is not what AI is doing. AI is largely just a language model that can read like four billion lines of code in like seconds and then recreate something that's already been created. Do you view it as plagiarism or do you view it as creating something new? Because you're the only one that the human is the only one that can actually still recreate a new sentence that is out of thin air, right?
2: I have to admit, Brayden, I do see it as plagiarism. And and I've told a few people who've asked me about this. Yes, to me, it's plagiarism because and and in journalism, plagiarism is the kind of thing that can get you fired uh, if you're caught doing that. I mean, and that's the thing for the people who, you know, and and I've talked to some college students who've used chat GPT to help them in class. And I'm like, don't. Do not do that. I mean, my God, yes, writing can feel at times like you're banging your head against a wall. Uh, You know, you can get stuck. When 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 a story flows, uh, you know, I'm not talking about a game story, obviously, but if you're writing a feature story or or profile of somebody and you're stuck and you can't get that lead and you can't get the words to come, you know, yes, it, it, it's the toughest job in the world in those moments. But when the words flow, it is absolutely beautiful and it's fun and it's glorious and it's why I, I do this. That's when I'm having an absolute ball. And But if you're using AI in any way or chat GPT, you're cheating. Come on, did do, do the work. It's like asking a ro- robot to go out and dig a hole in your front yard when you could just grab a shovel. Do it yourself. Uh because then it's in it, it and I I'm using that as an example. I don't analogy, know if that's a good I
0: don't know if that's a good example. It's, Teresa. it's not, but it's, it's the only
2: thing I was looking out my window at the grass. It's the only thing that can come up I, on the moment.
0: I personally like digging holes in my yard. I don't think a lot of people do.
2: Uh, dogs certainly do, but that's I don't true. have a dog, I have a cat. So but it's cheating because. That's the thing. We are human. Let's use our own words, our own experiences. And it's like, uh, you know, as I look around the media core covering the Titans or the Predators these days, I'm one of the few people who've covered uh, both of these teams from their inception or in this state. Uh, you know, I've covered, you know, I, I sat with Jeff Fisher in a, in a room at TSU when there were boxes stacked up and down the hall. So I, I, I've got information that I can pull up because I, I covered it literally. Same with the Predators. I was there when they announced Barry Trotz as the very first coach for the Nashville Predators. Uh, I, you know, I've been in that locker room. I've, I've covered David Poyle, you know, since he was announced as the first person with this franchise with the Predators. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, the same. Uh, when we talk about the University of Tennessee, I was a student there back in the day. I watched the late Pat Summit coach some of her teams in Stokely Athletic Center. So while you can program uh, a computer or a robot with, you know, uh, stats and details and information that's all they can spit back out at you. They cannot give you the emotion. Yeah. You know, I was there, uh, Pat Summit's last season when she got up, you know, all she did that last season, you know, Holly Warlick was the one who went and talked post-game to reporters. Uh, Pat Summit went over and talked only to Mickey uh, over on the radio broadcast for the Lady Vols. And I stood there listening, using my recorder because, she, you know, she's being broadcast. So I could pull that and use that. And then when she got up and turned around and looked at me, Well, my mom now has late stage dementia. I recognize that look and I could tell that that being a late tip off, you can't put that in a computer. You know, they don't have the experiences that we have as journalists to be able to convey the human emotion. And so, yeah, that's something that I'll fight. You know, I'm part of the News Media Guild. We are currently negotiating. We're into our second year of negotiations for a new contract. And, you know, I haven't seen this issue come up in the negotiations at this point. But, uh, you know, that's something that journalists as human beings, we have to hold the line because, they're coming for our jobs if we're not careful.
0: It, it, in one, So with new tech always comes sort of positives and negatives. And as long as it's handled sort of ethically, which we know historically in this country has not been the case, but if it's handled ethically, generally, there can be some positives and negatives. And I guess my question is, I agree that no one else can... no. I am not as concerned about AI as maybe you are or other people are because because that, that, of what you just said. No one can create the human emotion and explain the human emotion of a moment in time originally the way a human can. But is there is there any positive to a company being able to, instead of, I don't know, maybe they can hire more people to do more feature stuff, uh, hire more people to do more in-depth profile stuff if they don't have to hire the the person to do the aggregation? Is there any positive at all in that in terms I don't, of? I don't or, think you
1: know how cost containment works to large, uh, large media
0: organizations there, Brayden. Maybe not. There, Braden. Maybe not. <laughs> Brayden, have,
2: have, to paid attention to to... Yeah, Braden, have you just... paid attention to the journalism industry the last 20, 30 years? It's all about fewer people, younger people paying less.
0: I know, I know. There was just, a
1: substantial I'm... portion of Gannett newspapers that were on strike this week. I... Future, Monday was a walkout For sorts of reasons. Yeah. So
0: the the question. Thank you for my verbal lashing from both of you. I appreciate it. Um, I, I think to I'm trying to come up with what is the possible uh, positive to, because because new tech happens all the time and it's always ruining the world. The radio ruined the world. Television ruined the world. The internet ruined the world. Social media ruined the world. And I'm not saying those that these aren't very serious issues. I agree with both of you. I'm just trying to pose the question to two to two smart people about what is is there is there a positive at all that 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 helps anybody in this situation is what what is the positive
2: maybe it allows in an industry that yes is shrinking and and you know even as others are trying to find new ways to deliver uh journalism in different fashions to to the masses maybe it does help you get to things that you can't i mean I am the one AP sports writer in the state of Tennessee I'm the state sports editor I you know find people to cover things that I cannot go to but there, even then there's there's only so much resources to go around so maybe it does help get to uh, you know to a high school football game or soccer game. Uh, that, that you know, uh, a company or paper or radios, whatever the uh, outlet is, does not have somebody to send to, or you, you know, you can get these stats, put it into a program and get a story that you can post to provide that content for somebody. Uh, so that might be the one plus, but uh, again, I, I have a hard time seeing it as a plus when I have young people coming to me saying, I want to get into this industry and I want to do what you do someday. So, uh, you know, I, I, at this point, I'm a glass half uh, empty girl, and I don't see it as much, much being a help at this point. I want more jobs for more human beings because of our eyes, our ears, our brains and our collective experiences.
1: What do you think? Uh wh- the AP stories that are being done right now, uh, like I said, you know, they they sort of depend on statistics. Um, sports is uh, sports is statistically driven, but in varying degrees across different sports. Like the national SC story you were talking about, uh, there's there's a lot of nuance in soccer that just does not show up on a score sheet. There's a baseball can be highly statistically driven in terms of how it is covered. Uh, do you think there are do you think there are standards that you can set that that say okay for you know for baseball you know we can we can have we, we can have somebody we, we can have a machine doing you know, you're doing hundred word versions of stories that are gonna that are gonna go out so the reporter has time to to file the to, to file you know a thousand words on a game do you, is that a reasonable sort of thing or is is uh, should we should we be looking to to keep humans in in spots where there where journalism is being committed as much as possible?
2: I'm committed to having human beings as journalists as much as possible because while you you mentioned baseball, uh, could could a, could a robot you know capture what the savannah Ban- bananas do? Uh, and the incredible <laughs> things that they've done in baseball. I mean, they are they they brought so much joy. Can 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 a robot capture when you know how long somebody watches a ball fly, or how far the the bat is flipped, or you know, choose any sport. Uh, you know, could you imagine a robot trying to capture a Derrick Henry stiff arm? That ninety nine yard run where he he stiff armed not one, not two, but three different Jaguars uh You know, I, I, I'm thinking back to an Ole Miss Vanderbilt game. You know, Vanderbilt scored James Franklin. It was late in the game. James Franklin is celebrating like crazy, and there was just over a minute left. And it was like they almost they forgot. It, it felt like they forgot that there was still more game to be played. Ole Miss has an incredible kickoff return, and they go down and score a touchdown, win the game. And you know, could a robot? capture the fact that there was so much celebration on that Vanderbilt sideline that that was essentially a blown win. Uh, I, I I just think not. Now, could a robot give you 150 words on the game itself while a human being tells that story? Sure. But that's the problem is that once you crack that door you know, how far, how long is it until the robot or somebody who's trying to save money just simply decides to kick the door open and turn it over to the robots? That's my fear. And yes, I did see Terminator 1 and 2. And, (laughs) uh, you know, I, you know, Skynet seems closer every day to becoming (laughs) self-aware. You
1: you mentioned, you mentioned a couple of times here that you're, that you're a guild member and that you guys have been negotiating with the AP, uh, for for folks that don't know, I mean, and like for instance, I grew up in Tennessee, the which is which is not a which is not a heavily union state. There's no, no there's there's very little tradition of unions here in Tennessee. Uh, tell people, people kind of how the guild operates and 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 what and what why you guys do collective bargaining.
2: Well, collective bargaining is important. And, and I admit, when I first joined the Associated Press, I had, my dad had been in a union in East Tennessee at an automotive plant that he worked at. They made uh, the, the, the rubber stripping uh, for cars. And, you know, they shipped his com- they closed his company down in Maryville and shipped it to Mexico and put him into early retirement. So but I had seen some of the union abuses of the 70s and 80s. So I didn't immediately join the guild. But the importance of the guild in, as you mentioned, the Writers Guild and now the, the Actors Guild has voted to go on strike. They may not go on strike, but they approved that the ability to strike by 97.9 percent vote um, it is, you know, you're stronger together than you are on your own. So if I were to be called into my boss's office to be yelled at for something or, and be threatened with punishment, I can ask to have a, a guild member in there to help me and to back me up. I can. I've got the strength of the guild behind me. We can negotiate together. Um, you know, they they we had some voluntary retirement last year, and in the negotiation process, we managed to get a pay raise as part of that. Because if we're going to have a potential, you know, group of people, and we knew the number of people who could take that buyout. We knew the num. We now know the number of people who did take that buyout. One of my colleagues uh, here in Tennessee, the the, the great Mark Humphrey, uh, AP photographer. He, uh, I'm now the t- senior AP staffer in the state of Tennessee. There's nobody who has been with AP in the state of Tennessee longer than I have. And I am in my 33rd, well, I've got 33 years in, so I guess I'm into my 34th year. But, uh, you know, he took the buyout and now we have the great George Walker as my new AP colleague. But we managed to negotiate a pay raise that was the highest pay raise that we've gotten since, you know, I've been since I've been at AP one time pay raise to help mitigate. The losses to retirement. So AP got something, and we were able to negotiate in mass and get something for ourselves. Now we're still negotiating on our contract, and that, and, and everything that's being covered is parental rights, more leave for parent, parents or family leave. Uh, you know, things. Uh, you know, we I, I don't think we've gotten into AI yet, but uh, uh, we're, we're also trying to get more job security. We're you know, it, it's just it's easier to shout with a hundred voices than one. And so yes, I am a huge proponent, and yes, this is a right-to-work state. Uh, I think it's going to be on the ballot is, at some point in the next year, uh, trying to enshrine that in the constitution. And it's like, hey, Tennessee already is a right-to-work state. Uh, the governor recently signed a bill and was, you know, so proud of taking that, you know, ability for teachers to check a box and have it taken out of their paycheck. Uh, they already had that right. They, they you have to check in. To become a member of a union in this state, you already have that right. So, you know, it, I, I don't know why it needs to be suddenly enshrined in the Constitution. It's part of state law and nobody's coming for it. But I'm very proud to be a guild member. Uh, I could, uh, you know, for those who are, you know, I've got a button up there that uh, talks about the union. I should have had my red shirt on today, but um. <laughs>
1: Well but, and if but, you look at if, if for people who follow you online I think I think your your avatar is a guild avatar right now uh like on Twitter I or at least it was
2: It is yes I I've changed it on social media so I still have my cover profile but my little avatar is a p uh new uh Got to read, it. yeah, News Guild. Yeah, it's a little tiny print. I had to blow it up to, to, to read it. But yes, I am a very proud member. I've got two colleagues in Tennessee. One is our uh, national secretary treasurer, and then another colleague is on the negotiating committee for our new contract. So, um, it, you know, it, it, it negotiations are never easy, but uh, the fact of the matter is, and I'm very proud to be a part of that guild. So, and again, we are louder together. That's the, you know, I, you know, i watched some of these union votes and it's like, you know, come on, people, you know, you can be picked off when you're, you know, when you're not in a union or a guild, it makes it easier for them to call you in the office and say, hi, bye. It happened to my husband. Uh, he worked at a local company, had been there for 25 years and they called him in on a president's day in 2009, or no, 2010, and said, he found out that he was being let go because they had locked him out of his computer, and he knew exactly what that meant. And they replaced him with somebody that they, they could pay for less. And you know, if you're part of a union, they can't do that to you without going through a process, I'm just saying.
0: Yeah, I was going to make an offhand comment about how we should do a whole other podcast about the destruction of unions uh, in this country. But uh, I think the the two stories about your husband and your dad just about does it for me. So uh, I think that's all you need to hear. Uh, Teresa, what, what is the biggest how, how busy like you've got Titans camp? There was there's been a GM change and a coaching change for the Preds. The Grizzly season is over. Is, is this a down? Is this some downtime for you? What, what is the busiest time of the year? And what does the summer look like for you in terms of how do you get to have relax at all and not be driving from tip to tip of the entire state?
2: I did the quiet time because the Predators did not make the playoffs uh, because the Grizzlies were eliminated after one round. Uh, I did have, I have a story written and a list of long NBA suspensions ready for whenever Adam Silver is ready to drop the hammer on John Morant. Um, but yes, this is kind of my quiet time. I'm not happy that the SEC is bringing media days to Nashville next month because uh, yeah, think or the NHL, I mean come on, people, coordinate with me. I need you need to be on my schedule. I, I literally am covering the NASCAR race at the Super Speedway and then immediately switching gears to the NHL Awards, NHL draft, Two weeks vacation, squeeze that in, come right back to SEC Media Days. Once those are done, it's training camp. And once that happens, I used to think I had a quiet time of the year. Literally, it's when I'm on vacation. And when I took a week of vacation, uh, the end of February, right before the SEC tournament, I'm, I'm in Telluride. And that first Sunday, That's when the news about David Poyle and and Barry Trotz came out. And I knew it was going to happen. I I knew it last summer when Barry Trotz bought a second house here. I'm mad at myself for not writing prep prep for that and having 500 words already written. My hockey colleagues, uh, you know, Stephen Wino, who's covering the finals right now, John Warro, who will be in Nashville helping with the draft, they covered me that day. Uh, Wednesday of that week, while I'm on the slopes at Telluride, Washington Post had an A1 story on John Morant. The locals had been writing about this in January. We already knew this. I had talked with my boss and I sent him a note. I'll do a big picture story when I get back. And then I get a call the next day with another, from another colleague saying, hey, did you see this story? And then I'm literally trying to get packed on the bus when the John ja Morant video from the strip club in Denver popped out and i said guys i'm traveling all day
0: you were, and tim you were reynolds, there you were there you could have ran and gotten a quote you know like you were in Telluride no no no, no. <laughs> tell is
2: not that close to denver no, I know. i'm just I know. but <laughs> this is this is the beauty of ap though it's a world it's the lo- largest and oldest news gathering organization in the world tim reynolds our ap basketball writer extraordinaire who's covering the finals he handled it that day for me. Okay, there. You know, so I can I lean on colleagues. Yeah. Used to be I traveled with my laptop and I'd pull it out and work. I need my vacation these days.
0: We'll let you go. I know you're busy. Uh, I'm curious. Do you go up to like Andrew Burnett, a new coach in the market, or Rand on a new GM in the market, and be like, "Look, I get the first question at every press conference. Do you? Do you go up and tell somebody?" <laughs> that 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 happens or do other people do that for you? Do I need to do that for you? Like, how does that work out?
2: That kind of started with Mike Vrabel. So, uh, you know, uh, he did it, you know, you know, sometime in the 2018 season is when that started. And it was funny last week when, uh, they introduced Brunette and Sean Henry of the Predators said, you didn't get the first question. I was okay that day. That was the day that I I went to the ER literally after filing my story from that news conference, because I wasn't feeling well. Uh, you know, and, and, and I, they threw me the first question when they had the head of, FIFA in here, you know, when they were doing their site visit, you know, for Nashville for the World Cup bid, and uh, I was, you know, I had a question from Ron Blum, our soccer writer, and it's like it was a tough one, and journalists know we save the tough questions for last because sometimes (laughs) you get the walk-off uh, so, you know, I'm okay with not getting the first question sometimes because I am balancing 10 different plates in the air sometimes. So if I don't get the first question, sometimes I'm okay with that because if I have a question, I will ask it.
0: <laughs> Teresa, uh, thank you so much for your time. We do appreciate it. Take a deep breath, uh, and maybe enjoy some, some fresh air at Titans mini camp and, uh, get some rest. and we'll talk soon. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you, guys. Lamestream Sports is a podcast about national sports media and business. And it is brought to you by the fine folks at... Jasper's. Always brought to you by Jasper's. It's the next evolution of the sports bar. You know the deal. Great food, great parking, all that stuff. I, I'm just curious, Steve. AI in a restaurant situation. What's the worst possible job for a computer in a restaurant? Which one would work out the worst if they went from human to robot? I feel like server or chef has to be one of the two. It it would have to be server. It has to be server. Because I think you're you're
1: right. At the the moment at which you had to lodge a complaint with the server, what does the server do? I mean, (laughs) does the server run to the robot manager and then? This is quickly turning into like a Jetsons episode. All you know, I see is Johnny five t- cutting
0: carrots in the kitchen. So <laughs> the nobody gets that reference, by the way. No, none. More.
1: Because, because you, you can't, in some ways it's great because like, you know, the amount of abuse that servers sometimes take would just like that's, deflect that, right off
0: the, that's true. Right off the robot. Uh, but it have to be server <laughs> Unless, unless of course uh, they, they are self-aware and then the robots have feelings and emotions and they're sad. By the way, they are treated by their patrons. (laughs) Which is never the case at Jaspers because the Jaspers folks are so great and nice that everyone has a great time in there. No one's even rude when they go in there. It's just too nice of a place.
1: There was a story about an AI simulation that was done here a couple of weeks ago where they tried to call off a drone strike in a simulation. And the AI that was in charge of the drone was like, no, I have to complete the mission. And so it came back and took out the operators of the drones and then went and completed its mission. I feel like that's a level of disaster that maybe we could see in a restaurant here. Like a server would be just like, no, nah, screw it. I've had enough of this. And
0: yeah. I... <laughs> yeah, right. It just starts throwing knives at the people eating dinner. Uh exactly. First of all, I was going to save that story for how what are, what are some of the concerns about AI for after our conversation with Teresa. I was going to say, military operations, not a thing we should be using AI for human controlled drones we can even debate that that's unethical but again never going to change but we cannot let the robots have control of the nukes that is not <laughs> that's not a thing we can do uh but i was actually i was seriously going to bring up that story so i guess we're we're going to do it here uh part of the reason i am not as scared of of real reporters losing their jobs to computers is because of the the, the like when you do an investigation you a robot cannot go knock on someone's door who's like a third party you know, source to a story that's going on. You cannot pull out human emotion in a conversation the way uh, off the record, the way two human beings can do. And then that becomes part of the story, part of the framing of a story, an important learning tool to go follow a string that's part of the story. I'm not as concerned about that. The thing that scares me is a military operation that you don't have control of. That is fucking terrifying. (laughs) Yeah, I personally. uh,
1: I don't want uh, I don't want to put weapons in the in the hands of automation. That is that 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 to me no. seems
0: bad and wrong. Well, what's the one where the guy was like trying to get the one computer was trying to get the reporter to like leave his wife? <laughs> and, and and like through the middle of the conversation he was having with this thing eventually the the computer was like you're not happy leave your wife come date me. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's like no, this is taking a turn. Um but but here's the thing about Jasper's They'll never do any of this, because when you walk in, you're going to be greeted by a human who's going to be smiling and treat you well. When you sit down at your table, you're going to be greeted by a human who's going to take your order, answer questions that you may have. The menu was created by a human. Uh, uh, Look at all this stuff. Just Jaspers supporting humanity by hiring only humans and no robots. Go to Jaspers. Go to Jaspers.
1: Support the humans. (laughs)
0: That was Teresa Walker of the AP. We'll get into the poll results about the fairgrounds in just a minute and go to Jaspers, of course, please. Uh, Otherwise, what do you think about journalism and AI in general? I I am not as concerned about long form feature writing, the stuff that is successful right now in media, which is subscription based premium content that is sort of communal and, and a smaller space than like Twitter or, you know, Substack's doing well in this in this space as well. I, I'm not sure a robot can ever actually replace that because what people do not understand about AI, and I mentioned this to Teresa in the interview, it, it's not creating anything actually new. It's just taking everything that exists in the world, learning it in seconds, and then putting those words together to create some sort of story. It's it's actually not writing new text originally, if that makes sense.
1: No, I mean if you if you've played around with if you've played around with ChatGPT already i mean it is amazing what the technology does but it is it is it is only an amalgamation of things that that this version of ai is only a sophisticated scraping system it's, it's a language a, it's a language model right it, this yeah. is not a this is not a thinking piece yet now there are aspects to it that are very creative but there but it is not the there's not a creative piece to this it is it is merely is merely mimicking sometimes very well kind of and and the the parameters that you are that you have set for it um so i'm less worried about kind of like this version Uh, there's going to come a version that does like you that that eventually does creative things it does novels that does whatever else um But I think Teresa is spot on when she says, you know, the role of the journalist is to be there with their eyes and ears and and to be able to and to be able to document something. And there are things that there are things that AI right now does not do. It does not document. It needs other things to document, which it can then turn right. into other things
0: it, it, if Teresa walker has written a story on the internet about those boxes in jeff fisher's office at tsu in 1996 then the computer will know about it but if she has not put that down on in a story then it doesn't know about it that's actually probably the easiest way to, under- to yeah, understand to understand
1: it, it is ultimately derivative right now
0: right um, it doesn't mean there's not something coming in in the future, uh, obviously. I, I want to I want you I want was and I was
1: glad that I was glad that Teresa made these Skynet references first because <laughs> because that is that is absolutely the uh, that is absolutely the logical conclusion to all this. I, I I will say this if you're if if you haven't spent much time kind of reading about kind of like the the different debate that's going on 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 over AI, um there are there's a lot out there right now, and I think it's really instructive that the that some of the biggest brains behind it are calling for standards and regulation and not just kind of, you know, just just kind of like unfiltered use of AI in in all places right now Um, that they think it's that they think it's dangerous and that we need to have some sort of standards about yeah, what again, we're doing.
0: Uh, the people that are scheduled to make the most amount of money on it uh, are, 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 some of those people are the ones that are calling for its regulation. So, you know, it's, you know, they've got questions. Um, it, Tech is never going anywhere. It's always about ethical, whether or not we can use tech ethically or not. It's always what it's going to be. The creator of Instagram, of course, I, I mentioned this on the show before. Launched a company called Artifact, which is built around AI, but projecting new, it's presenting news to people that is sort of quote unquote qualified. I want to know. I want to see what you think about. I wanted to ask you about the plagiarism thing, though, because. You know, when I worked, I've worked for Athlon Sports for 17 years. We own all of our photography. If you subscribe as a media company to various services, to to you pay to to purchase photography. If you do not have someone on your um, on your staff to go shoot original art, we shot original art. And what happens on the internet is people take photos all the time, cut them, trip, trim them, make them into new things. And there is some gray area when it comes to. I don't know if it's trademark or I guess it'd be copyright infringement or ownership it, where there's, there's gray area on like, did you create a new thing? And if you take one clip of a screenshot of this and then add this to this and then change the font and add a piece of graphic here, all of a sudden it's a quote unquote new piece of art and and therefore not, you know, uh, it's not, you can't sue somebody over the copyright infringement at that point. And so there is some, gr- there is a lot of gray area. And to me, that's what AI is doing. Teresa calls it plagiarism. I understand well, Why? Well the the, the, the copyright it is law new. it is a new piece of thing that's been created.
1: Yeah, but the copyright law on that is is, is a little less gray on that. Like for instance, I mean the classic sort of the, the classic sort of legal case in this is the guy who did the Hope uh poster uh in two thousand eight for the Obama campaign that ultimately uh that ultimately was determined to be derivative of the portrait that he based the that he based the illustration on. And, and it was a copyright violation you got to be super careful about about that sort of stuff you can't just chop something up uh, that someone else has created and then and turn around and call it you know call it a new work uh, there, there are it, it is it is you have to go you have to go substantially further than just, I just put a couple of things together.
0: Really, and this is what's sad about this to- this topic is really it's just like how many eyes and ears actually saw it or heard it. If it, if yeah. it got if it got big enough to be like an Obama poster where everyone was seeing it, that's when somebody says something. Otherwise, if you put it on your website and you've got a couple hundred, couple couple thousand people watching it or listening to it or watching, you know, it, people don't even know that it happens and it's not worth the trouble. But, so, but, but, here's, but, that's, that's where, but here's that's that's where that's I... where the erosion happens.
1: Yeah, but but here's what I would say too is like even like kind of within that space, there are there are uh, there are copyright attorneys who are using machine learning in order to find iterations of copyrighted works that are in violation by AI uh, to, by, to to then sue. Yeah. Uh, and and I know and I know several media companies you know here in town that that have been. That had like that had like an old photo that they didn't have the rights to that was buried down in that was buried down in a website and ended up having to pay somebody a copyright, because it was a copyright violation.
0: I, I think that's a good example of where the technology could be helpful to media. I know I kind of you guys busted my chops on that question, but I, I do think you're always going to be able to find some positive and in, in sort of progress from a technology standpoint. like i don't I'm not going I'm not going to claim to be a. Uh, A huge like crypto bro who knows everything about NFTs, but isn't there some? Wasn't there some value in being able to embed something in a piece of art that then becomes an NFT? In which case, everyone knows it's your original piece of art and cannot be copied or something like that. So there's always, even though I completely disagree with investing a ton in crypto, just acknowledge, just know what it is that it's just a stock like everything else. Um, There was there was this tiny little offshoot of positivity, right? Like, isn't that kind of what you're saying with AI? I mean that that has now been overwhelmed by grifters and scam artists. So- I yeah, I mean I agree. Yeah, I agree. I'm not again. No 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 crypto bros here on the show. Um okay. All right. Uh poll poll results are out. Uh a new poll is out on Thursday about the fairgrounds in in obviously what's going on with the city and the renovation and more spending on a racetrack that would develop and can, and create this whole new space for year-long festivities and venues and and a lot of other things uh, before we get into the details steve just give me the top line number one result that people need to know about this poll question and maybe give a poll result and maybe give us some of the parameters of the poll itself
1: so i so this is uh this is a poll uh, done by a really good pollster named fred yang and Heart research out of uh, out of D.C., uh, Fred Yang's been polling in 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 the national market for years. He was Bredesen's pollster. He has polled in almost every mayoral race uh, here for the last for the last 25, 30 years. Um, he's just he, he knows the market really well and does and, and does a really good job. Um, so this is this was poll. I mean, this was commissioned by Bristol Motor Sports uh, as a as a survey of uh, of the fairgrounds issues. Um, and there's some interesting things in it, and I think that, um, you know, I, I got this poll like an hour ago, so I'm still kind of pouring through, I'm still kind of pouring through the the deeper parts of it. That here's how you can broadly say that the the poll was conducted. They asked a lot of kind of kind of surface level questions. Then they asked about they asked people how they feel about a deal at the fairgrounds for racing, without adding a lot of specificity to it. And the 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 actual question was, uh, from what you know, do you support or oppose uh, the proposal between Metro Government and Bristol Motor Speedway to renovate and operate at the uh, National Fairgrounds uh, Speedway? And so it's so it's a very general sort of question. The total support is about forty-two percent. The total who oppose is about thirty percent. Total who are not sure is twenty-eight percent. What you can say from and then the poll. Which I've, if you look on my Twitter feed, I've posted a link to you can read it for yourself. Goes into a big set of questions about the describing the deal in favorable terms and then and in, in and in unfavorable terms is, is what the polls is what the poll says, and kind of how people react to it. The 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 people behind the poll are going to say that this shows two to one support for. Uh, for a deal to bring NASCAR and this Bristol Motorsports deal to the fairgrounds. I've already gotten texts from critics and, 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 and some people on Twitter saying that they don't think that the, the critical questions about the fairgrounds were accurately described in the poll. Um, you, here's the poll. You can read this for yourself uh i I think what you can broadly say is that there's not a groundswell I they did pull other questions and I think this is this is some of the really interesting stuff that's in there the first of which is they pulled on the Titans how yep. do you uh, you know how do you think yep. that came out
0: <laughs> um you mean uh, I mean i've got I've got access to it so it's a rhetorical question to me yeah. but um... I mean
1: so so they pulled they they pulled on the uh, they pulled on uh, the Titans deal and it was upside down. Yeah. Uh, it was 51% opposed 43% support. Um, and I think that's, uh, I mean, I, I think that's a, that's a really interesting sort of snapshot of kind of where, uh, where the, where the city is on, uh, on that after so much had been sort of, so much information had been kind of thrown at people. Um, it, it, the, the i'm going to be unpacking this poll kind of like most of the day uh we'll have a story about this in the in the banner uh for, for tomorrow as well as kind of some other pieces there's also a mayoral kind of horse race poll in there which yeah. i thought was kind of kind of interesting um the banner had a poll from a different pollster at the first of this week uh that showed uh freddie o'connell had about 10 but it, what the most important thing any poll Right now, you should look at the first thing you should look at is what is the number? what is the percentage of undecideds and the percentage of undecideds
0: uh, in this 40, thing is 41, 41 like, percent. Yeah,
1: 41 percent in this poll was 45 percent in the other poll this week. Yep. Half the city essentially has not made up their mind about mayor. So any horse race number that you hear right now, I wouldn't say you should immediately discount but you should you should take it with with like an entire shaker of salt because there's there's
0: a lot of work to be you, done you uh, have you have this. had personal long-form conversations with every one of these people have you made up your mind? <laughs> no <laughs> there you <I've>, go <laughs> and you have had personal long-form conversations with almost all these people um I we here's the, here's what you really need to know it's guaranteed to be a runoff that's what that's what you uh that's what you yeah, need to know it, basically it is so.
1: it is It is absolutely guaranteed to be a to be run up. and and so something else you should you should know about the poll um like i said it's a really good pollster um fred yang is very good the the margin of error on this is about five percent which is a little which is a little on the high side um there are some community numbers in here where they tried to, they tried to pull, they tried to pull specifically within a mile of the racetrack because they wanted to know what the people around the, in the neighborhoods around the racetrack thought the, the margin of error on that is like 9%, which is, which is tough to sort of kind of like take, yeah. uh, take seriously as, uh, as like a really granular uh, level of detail about these things.
0: What What's interesting is for those that don't know, of course, uh, the city, much like the city was quote unquote on the hook legally for the renovations for the Titan Stadium, whatever that number might be, <laughs> there's much disagreement about what that number is, but it's a lot and it is no longer on the general fund for, for national. We've been down that road a million times, but that the city is since 2011, the city is, is legally required to operate this, this entity and to keep racing happening at the fairgrounds. It saved the fairgrounds, so I think again. If for those that don't know, that are new coming to town, that are new coming to the issue, th- that is the city has no choice in 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 this particular part of the conversation, right? Like they are required to keep this thing going no matter what.
1: Yeah, and 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 that's going to be uh, that's going to be kind of an important piece of it. The what what the what the mayor's office and what the the Bristol Motorsports folks are going to say is that. You know, this is the this is the best possible plan that it, this kind of ship they they're, they're going to do sort of the same sort of we can shift the burden to sort of revenue bonds uh and shift the shift the burden out of general obligation funds for the taxpayer uh what critics are going to say is that the city still ultimately guarantees those bonds uh as opposed to uh as opposed to um First, the Motor Speedway people. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The people that are going to make all the money. Sorry, I'm I'm literally being texted by, by, by like two different two different people here. One for
0: and one against the thing. <laughs> this is what happens when you send out tweets before we record, Steve. I know, I know. I, I got to
1: stop. <laughs> I don't tweet before you record. Uh,
0: all right. So check out the results. Check out the poll. Uh, we'll have even more information about this issue as we as it unfolds. Um, certainly something to pay attention to after you know, dropping 2.1 billion on, uh, on a football building. Uh, interesting that I thought one of the funny things in that poll, not funny, but like of all the venues that people in the city use, and in particular people are in people in the neighborhood use was that Geotis park of all of them. Like it was one of the, the least visited places now with it, it, <laughs> like, Thirty-six percent of the community has been to Geodis, Thirty-eight percent has been to the fairgrounds. Forty-four percent has been to Ascend. Seventy percent has been to the to the Nashville fairgrounds. Fifty-three percent have been to the Ryman. Sixty-four to Nissan Stadium and sixty-nine percent to Bridgestone Arena. So even the people in the neighborhood are going to other buildings and other things far more than Geodis Park. which just I just thought that was interesting. Well, I, I mean, but, I don't but know but the if it way means que- anything, but you know,
1: the way that the way that question was asked, though, I believe was, "Have you been to?" Have you have you attended uh, any in events in the in, in the, the last, in the last, last 5, five years. years and Jonas is uh, this is this we're at two and change uh, well you're in the second year of Jodas being open
0: okay so right. I, mean, I just i just thought it was i guess that's fair i just thought it was interesting that yeah you know of the ba- the big seven or eight venues in Nashville like Jodas is at the bottom of the list in terms of people in the neighborhood using it well, and I, I think I, I think you know, there was a
1: big Shania Twain concert out there last night. And yeah, they're going to do, do more concerts in there. I think that number is going to get that number's about to go up. So there you go,
0: there you go. All right, you want to? You have, you had a bone to pick with me about Ted Lasso or whatever? I've seen it now. We, me and the wife have I, watched it. I
1: don't have a bone to pick.
0: I just wanted to know what you thought oh. of the what
1: what you thought of the finale.
0: I thought Succession was better. I thought the success. I thought the second to last episode of Lasso was better. Um, hmm. maybe I don't. Maybe it's just me, and I don't do. Like, the heartfelt kind of cheesy. There's just, like, happy music playing the entire episode, and, and we're wrapping up everybody's perfect little story. And, like, I know you have to do it on a show like that because it's so wholesome and so positive. Um, and I enjoyed it. It wasn't bad at all. I don't have anything negative to say about it. But I thought Succession, like, the drama, and again, no spoilers, but the drama of Succession, Building for years to to the final couple of scenes in that show, still not knowing which direction it was going to go. I thought they did a much better job wrapping it up. Like you kind of knew Lasso was going to be a feel good. You know, kinda, I, I think it's deal, I, I think it's
1: crazy that there were four series: Succession, uh, Barry, uh, Lasso, and uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which have all had critical like great critical uh, acclaim and all went off the air within four
0: days of each other ba- barry felt like my british lit class in college in college like i really am interested in this topic i really want to watch it but i sort of gritted my teeth through the entire thing and like like i think i'm smart enough to really like this but like i don't it's it, it's a t- it's sometimes it's a tough watch and then one episode of barry the entire episode was just like a 28 minute build up to a punchline
1: I know. I know. <laughs> the very Another end. one you are talking about.
0: I was like that's uh, a 30 minute joke you just that you just built up and it was hilarious I laughed but I'm not sure it was worth my 30 minutes.
1: <laughs> um so. I, I find it fascinating that there were all these shows that were aimed for the end of each other. They're, they're inevitably getting compared to each other, and all four of them are completely different sorts yes. of things. Yes. And, and which is to to your point about Succession being better. I, I don't know what I don't know what better means there because I don't I don't know that those I don't know that you can compare those those two sorts of shows. You got more enjoyment out of Succession, obviously. Um, I thought the Lasso finale. I, I told somebody this. It was was this was this a great like. I will remember this forever piece of television. No. no. Was it, did I enjoy it immensely? Absolutely. I mean, there, there are, there are, there are pieces in there. There are pieces in it and, you know, shows get shows that do shows inevitably that have, have an ending. And particularly if they have, uh, if they have kind of any sort of beloved pieces to it, uh, do a certain amount of fan service, and there was there were yeah. fan service in there. Yeah. But I, when you look at the like like the sheer volume of Easter eggs that were down in the Lasso finale, that were I mean, callbacks. I,
0: I've got to go that, back and rewatch it. I guess. I mean,
1: but... there's a, there's a there's a bunch of stuff on YouTube about this, like showing like kind of like what the specific Easter eggs were, and, and specifically with characters like Jamie, uh, and kind of like that kind of like show their evolution. I thought it was I thought it was a really I, I thought it was I enjoyed it immensely.
0: I, I think to and- your point of I think to your point about it being so different, like succession from the very first episode was about building to that last episode. It's the name of the show. It's about mm-hmm. who's taking over for Logan Roy. Like that is the entire series. I don't think you can succession, while it's totally rewatchable, you could but I think you have to watch it in series. You can't go back and just pick a random episode, whereas with Lasso I think my wife and I do this all the time. You could just randomly pick any episode in any season and sit down, and you need no context before or after, and enjoy that episode. It's like shit's well, and the, in the, that, the, in the that criticism sense.
1: of Lasso here, like in the third season, I I, 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 I get sort of like what people are saying. I just don't, I don't agree with it at all. Lasso was three different things. The first season, it was Major League. It was a, it was yeah. a ten, it was a ten episode, it was a ten episode arc along the lines of Major League, and it was fantastic. Second, the second one was it, it It like really delved into the characters and then, uh, but it was still, it, it was still a comedy and it was still sort of like nominally a, like a workplace sitcom.
0: Except for, except, the, I take it back. The only episode I'm never going to watch again is the Coach Beard episode. I don't need that. Uh,
1: the, you're, you're, I would watch that every day. Oh, that really? Fantastic. <laughs> that is a great episode. Okay. 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 The, th-
0: okay. uh,
1: the third, and which is why I liked like the trippy episode. Uh, you know in amsterdam this year as well uh, yeah my the bad. Third, the the third season is the 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 third season is a complete character study and i thought it was fascinating yeah. how they they deviated from the sitcom structure and they were like you know what this thing doesn't have to be 28 minutes we're we're going to do an
0: hour and 15 it can minute be minutes it could be 45 minutes it could be
1: 72 <laughs> minutes which is what yeah. i think the finale was they can yeah. do uh, it was all in service to the character yeah. Now there are criticisms of kind of like how they they handle the characters but I thought if more shows had the ability to do that they would be more interesting. You could it's... say you could say maybe you didn't enjoy it as much as you did the first or second season but there is no, there's no doubt in my mind that it was it was as interesting a show as it has ever been. in that. Oh, character.
0: I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I agree. I agree completely. Um, and of course, Roy Kent's character develops the most because Roy Kent is writing his his character. Um, I I the diamond dog scene at the end is just one of my favorites. It's just I, we were we were <laughs> we were laughing pretty hard about that. Um, but I would vote Succession as a better finale. But I don't know if I'd go back and rewatch it as much. I'll go back and rewatch Lasso all the time. Like we go back and rewatch it all the time. So the
1: b- um, the best finale of those four shows
0: was Maisel. I see. My wife's watched a lot of that. I've seen some of it. I know about it. Um, she's not watched any Barry. I couldn't get like, her to sit through like, I, one I, episode I, of Barry. I, I have
1: it My my wife as well. Like when the when the guys got murdered, got gunned down, and like the like halfway through the first episode,
0: Jen like literally got up, walked out of the room, and was like, "I'm out." But it's so <laughs> it's it's like taking Wes Anderson and the Coen Brothers and like putting it into a murder mystery on steroids. Yeah. Like it's it, it is. And and he wrote it right? Didn't Bill Hader right do like oh, all yeah. the like he did yeah. all like, and he
1: directed the entire fo- whoa he, he directed
0: the entire fourth season. It's wild. It's a fun show, but like man, but you got to be ready for it for sure. The,
1: of all of those, the Maisel was the one that landed the plane the best more than Succession.
0: Yeah. Ah, oh, come on. And it's
1: and a- and the the pro and the problem is is that is that Maisel had some this particularly like the like the like yeah. the third like the third to fourth season this season's been spectacular and this this you see this happen a lot is that uh shows that shows that don't sustain uh don't sustain critical excellence throughout their entire run uh, your critics don't go back to them
0: or they uh it was a little know, cheesy yeah. it was a little cheesy at times I, I i thought now i will say this i didn't watch it all the way through but every time i sat down while she was watching it i watched most of the episode like i didn't get up and leave like i would yeah, sit down and-, and watch and her character is her character for what she's doing at that time in new york it was great like she's a great character the, uh, the
1: entire the entire season is like it's like a series of flash forwards to the 80s and 90s oh, and, okay. and 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 today and kind of like 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 you find out what happened to them there's no sort of like like it ends in 1961 and they're like well, well i wonder what happened like, the, the, like, the, way, like
0: su- the way succession leaves you guessing about everything
1: Yeah. I mean, this, it was, it was so satisfying to sort of see them like jump ahead 25 years and then find out about this riff that happened like 10 years before. And it was, it was, it was fantastic. And then I'm I'm serious in the last, uh, in the last moments that you see of the show in 1961 and near the end of the episode, they give the title of the show. Like you understand where, the term uh, where, where the show or the okay. title okay. "Marvelous Mrs. Maisel" comes from, because it's spoken out loud. Okay, and you're like, I mean, like I still get goosebumps, kind of like thinking about that scene. It was so good.
0: Well, one, I don't, again, I don't remember a ton about that show, other than the one scene where they're like down, like in the Caribbean, and she does like they're. I can't, anyway, I can't. They're really, in Miami. Yeah, they're Miami, and like they're, they're just the the wife is just drinking martini, like the mom is just pounding martinis or something like that. And uh, anyway. Um, I will. I want to leave with one hot take. Go to Jasper's, of course. Everybody. Special thanks to Teresa for joining us. We do appreciate it. I know you're a big sort of crime drama. I know. I,
1: I know what you're about to say. Come back to it. Hold on to that hot take. Oh God! Hold on to your hot take.
0: I can't. I got to get it out. I, I gotta know what
1: you're it. about I to say. I got to get it out.
0: I got to get it out. Don't get it out. <laughs> <laughs> Why? You want to hold this till next episode or something?
1: Yeah, hold it, hold it. One episode. Uh, all
0: right, fine. Because because you're wrong, and, uh, all you need and I'm going to tell you why you're wrong next all episode. You, all you need, all you listeners need to know is that Steve is very wrong.
1: <laughs>
0: so wrong, <laughs> so uh, wrong. Huge, huge debate coming next week on the pod. Stay tuned. Uh, thanks to Teresa for joining us, of course. And uh, go to Jasper's, where they only employ humans, no robots. Go to Jasper's, everybody. Sign up for good journalism, of course, daily election coverage from nashvillebanner.com they'll send it right to your email box i was reading all about it uh, all about these forums in there uh this week so go check that out nashville all the other great shows across the 440 sports network as well at s cavendish on twitter and instagram at Braden gall at 440 sports thank you all for listening we'll talk to you next week this has been Lamestream sports here on the 440 sports network